Um, if you're as a sole proprietor, it's not just tax advantages. You're actually not protected from any liability you may cause. And that could be liability as in you got in a car accident running from one Medicare appointment to another, or that could be liability as in an ENO claim or an payment claim or a 1099 versus an employer type of a situation. So when you're looking at the risk of an insurance agent over the course of our careers, one in three is going to be sued. Mm. So are you banking on the fact that you're going to be sued after you've set up the entity in that situation? I mean, you're hoping that you've got your ducks in a row and at that point you've got a separate entity. So all your assets aren't available. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for joining me for today's podcast. I'm excited. We have a new guest, JoLynn Allen, a multifaceted entrepreneur. She is an expert in many things from not only insurance, but outside of insurance. We'll touch on that a little bit, but we're going to talk about a couple of really exciting things. I'm glad you're plugged in today. JoLynn, thank you so much for joining me. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing, Eric? I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. It's a good Friday. And so I'm definitely uh, happy to go out. I'm going to go spend some time in a park with my kids here in a little bit. But um, outside of that, you know, life is good. So I wanted to touch on a few things. First and foremost, for those who don't know you, if you don't mind, kind of tell us a little bit about what it is you're into, because outside of the insurance business, you have some really cool businesses uh, set up as well that that would pique the interest of a lot of people. Sure. So I've basically been self-employed and in the business world for 20 years. And during that time, we have opened, obviously, a Medicare agency, a property and casualty agency. We have real estate portfolios. And then we actually own a gun store. So we're a little all over the map. And what I find is the same principles that make the Medicare business successful, make the real estate business successful, and make the gun store successful. Yeah, and you have a lot of great foundational practices for insurance agents as most of them who come into the business don't really actually treat it as a business. At first, it's almost like they're just kind of slinging spaghetti at the wall, seeing what sticks, seeing if it's going to work out. But whenever an agent comes to work with you, you have more of a foundation that you help set up with them so that they have the best footing as they go forward. Uh, Because we're obviously trying to approach it with the intent that you will be successful. And so tell us a little bit about what you've noticed with a lot of agents who are coming into the business and what you do to kind of help change it into a different direction. Sure. Now, most insurance agents are coming into insurance later in their career. We're seeing a change where we're getting some younger people, but a lot of them are coming from a regular W-2 job. That's what they've been trained to expect is a nine to five type of a position and their taxes and their finances associated with work are taken care of for them. Um, They have very little in the way of actual business experience. So when you're coming in to be a brand new insurance agent, you face two hurdles. One is figuring out all of the tricks of the trade insurance wise. And the other is actually figuring out how to do this correctly and set yourself up for a good position later as that business grows. So you've got a lot to learn. And the hardest part, I think, with all of us is that we come into it and we don't even know what we don't know. And there's some... There's not a lot of roadmaps out there that basically tell someone, you know, 
here's what we're going to do. You're running two parallel roadmaps at the same time. So on one side, you're going down the insurance path and you're saying, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and get linced. And then I'm going to do my carrier appointments and my AHIP. And, and you're, you're following that path. On the other side, business-wise, you're establishing an LLC or corporation. Most agents don't do that. Most first-year agents go in as a sole proprietor. And that limits them greatly down the road when they want to have things like corporate credit or they want to finance a vehicle in their business name, or they want to build a, a actually purchase a building for their business, they can't do so because they would only be able to purchase those things on their personal credit. So we want them to follow this path and say, well, I'm going to build the actual entity itself as I'm building my insurance book of business. You should be building both of those simultaneously. Yeah, I think that uh, one of the, if it happened to me, it's probably happened to a lot of people. There's been some wisdom out there. And I don't know, maybe it's not wisdom. Obviously, from what you're saying, it's actually opposite. But most people would say, hey, when you first get in the business, just focus on producing and make some money. And, and because there's really no, this is what they say, there's no tax advantage to getting your LLC or to get a corporation set up until you're making X amount of dollars, let's say $50,000 a year in commissions. So I think that's why a lot of agents will skip mm -hmm. that part in the beginning because they've been told it's not advantageous for them to do so. Uh, why? So I, well, I think there's more that to hurdle? that. Go ahead. There's a lot more to that than people say. Tax advantage is one of a few pieces. If you're looking at what we do on a daily basis with these agents, um, if you're as a sole proprietor, it's not just tax advantages. You're actually not protected from any liability you may cause. And that could be liability as in you got in a car accident running from one Medicare appointment to another, or that could be liability as in an ENO claim or an employment claim or a 1099 versus an employer type of a situation. So when you're looking at the risk of an insurance agent over the course of our careers, one in three is going to be sued. Mm. So are you banking on the fact that you're gonna be sued after you've set up the entity in that situation? I mean, you're hoping that you've got your ducks in a row and at that point you've got a separate entity so all your assets aren't available. And to me, I mean, I come from a world of claims adjusting and I know, for example, in a car accident, you see these agents and they've got their name plastered all over their vehicle and they don't have commercial insurance. They're driving around with a personal policy, many of them with low limits. And when you get in an accident as a business owner, you're seven times more likely to be sued than if you're a W-2 employee. And wow. why is that? Well, we have a reputation or there's sort of a stereotype that business owners have money, that they're wealthy. It's, it's not always true, obviously, but it is a stereotype. And when you put yourself in that situation, you're seven times more likely. And when I did commercial claims, even I going into commercial claims didn't realize how often business owners actually get sued for their full policy maximum and beyond. Whereas a personal person with a W-2 doesn't have quite the same risk, even though it's definitely still a risk. Um, I think the biggest thing that business owners don't realize is what we own in our name, a lawyer can find out in 15 minutes the asset you own. Hmm. So if you and I got an offender bender and I call my lawyer and he pulls up Eric in the system and he doesn't have to have much about you. 
it, it's really, it's amazing how little information they need, but they pay for a subscription. They put in your information and within 15 minutes, they, own, they know everything you own. Wow. However, if you have it in a separate entity, it's not available because the entity didn't create that car crash. Eric did. Does that make sense? Yep. So when you're a business owner and you're going into, oh, I have insurance and I'm going to go out and run insurance appointments and you get in a car crash and you don't have it set up in an LLC or a corporation and it's sole proprietorship, not only is your business at play for them to seize and, and put liens against, but so is your personal home. Yeah. So, so it's, I mean, tax advantages is like one little piece of that equation. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, the, what you're, what you're talking about is something that is sorely lacking in our industry when it comes to getting into the business. Uh, I, I keep pounding my chest and talking about how, when you're being in, when you're joining the insurance agent uh, world, you need to understand you are a business. You need to act like a business. You need to invest like a business. Uh, you need to treat it like a business. Too many people come in with an employee mentality hoping that their FMO will be their employer and that their FMO will provide them their systems, their tools, their leads. And so that's why I always attack from that angle. You need to be in charge of your own tools. You're a business. You need to invest in that. But we are not talking at all about what you're discussing, which I think is super important part of the conversation. Uh, do you do classes, I guess? Do you do classes to teach agents this um, you know, and spend time with them to, to make sure they get set up properly? I do. And um, we're actually putting together, we have a workbook roadmap, they follow along. And then basically we do a um, Zoom meeting weekly and make sure that they're following the path and they've gotten accomplished the step that they needed to get accomplished for that week. To set a lot of this stuff up, I think the reason people don't do it is because they think it's really complicated. I have to hire a lawyer. It's going to be expensive. It's going to complicate my taxes. There's all those excuses and reasons that we get that people put it on the back burner. And the other most common reason is it's a lot of research if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, and if you're overwhelmed already trying to figure out how to sell Medicare, it's just one more thing you have to go out and learn. Yeah. So absolutely. we try to make it as easy as possible and give them the forms, what they need to file, the considerations they need to take into account. And, and I think the biggest thing is just getting across the point that this isn't a work, this isn't a job, and this isn't a hobby. It's a business. And a certain percentage of us, you know, put our heart and soul into that business and we wrap everything into it. And sometimes the thing we wrap into it is our entire personal financial life. Yeah. And we really need to treat a business separate completely from your personal finances. And yeah. I think most of us, like if I asked you, oh, Eric, do you know your you know, credit score on Equifax or on an Experian? You, you know those numbers yeah. on your personal world. But if I asked you what your done score, or your paydex score is, you're going to probably not know it. Most 90% of business owners don't know it. Yeah. Yeah. And unless, yeah unless I think you set the up other your, thing. Your... Oh, go ahead. Unless you've set it up and you've applied, and, and that's the other thing. They don't realize you even have to apply to have one. But where most of the agency owners I talk to, or even the insurance agents who are pretty well established, when they start realizing they need business credit, it's when they need um, to buy like a car in the business name, or they're trying to get financing, 
But sadly, when we normally come across it is when they overextend themselves and they go for help and find out with a blank credit profile, you're almost always a decline unless you take out a personal loan. So Let me ask you a question usually... then pertaining to the credit side of things, because there's a lot of people who are going to be listening to this and some bells will go off and they've considered doing that in the past. Man, I wonder if I could buy a car in my business name because I use it for business so much, or I wonder if I can get a business loan so I can invest in leads because I know I'm a great agent. Mm -hmm. I know I can turn that business around and make it, make it work. But if they have no business credit score, how difficult, once they get their DUNS number, um, how difficult is it for them to apply and start building that credit? How do they go about doing it? Like, how hard is it? It's about a 90-day process. So I okay. encourage agents, while you're going through to file to actually get your license, like you're taking your pre-licensing course, that's a perfect time to go ahead and file, get that EIN number and, and file for a DUNS profile. So it's building in the background while you're just getting established. Now, if you're later to the game and let's say you've been an agent two or three years, it's going to take us about 90 days to build those numbers up. And the thing is personal business loans, small business loans, 97% um, of small business loans are denied. Mm, that's big. And I think we don't know that. None of us figure that out until we need one. That's the worst time to figure out if you qualify for a business loan <laughs> right. is when your whole, everything you've built is uh, hanging by a thread and you need to go get financing of some sort to get through. Yeah. Um, have a wonderful opportunity and you really want to take advantage of this opportunity and you can't because you don't have access to that credit. So one of the things that's really important to do is to actually just build the credit up and then take advantage of the opportunities when you can. Um, just last year, you know, credit, the interest rates were incredibly low. Yeah. And I had three or four of the business banks I work with call me and offer me business credit lines. I didn't call them. I didn't even seek this line. And I had three or four of them that just said, you know what, we can do, we already know your credit profile. We can expend a $250,000 business line to you. And it's a flat interest rate and it readjusts in five years. Well, interest rates right now are incredibly low. Having access to $200,000 at 3.9% for five years is an amazing benefit that a business could do. You could use that for leads. You can use it for a business auto. You can use it to purchase a building. Yeah. Um, one thing we do is keep those credit lines available. And when I find a great building, I'll go ahead and just write a check for it. Yeah. And I've, I've gotten buildings that competition would have gotten had I not been able to say, you know what, I can have my um, real estate attorney contact you and we can write a check and we can have this done in a week. Yeah. And You're treating it like a cash offer basically at that point. Cause you already exactly, have the funding. In place, yeah. but exactly. And then I'll go back and I can refinance and fund it on the back end and, and then pay that credit line off and, and have the permanent source of financing. Now, so there's if so many things you can do with it. Now, if nobody, so so if, uh, if an agent who needs to start that building process, that 90-day building process, um, they get their done score in place and they go to apply for their first business credit card, uh, do they got to expect that because they have no business credit, they're going to have to, um, are they going to have to be personally liable for a little bit? No, no. They're going to follow our instructions because <laughs> people tell me the biggest thing they do mistake-wise is they're either using their complete social security number, personal guarantee, 
or they're using their EIN number with the social security number as the backing. That puts it on your credit. If you're using your EIN number with the DUNS number, you, that's not touching your social security at all. As a matter of fact, your social security shouldn't be on any of those applications. And so know. what you're gonna do is a brand new agency or agent, you're gonna go out and apply. Once you have your DUN score, you're gonna do what I tend to advise is five net 30 accounts. And net 30 accounts are really common in um, like office supplies. Okay. Um, you can actually, there's lead vendors and even website builders that will let you do net 30 nowadays. Mm. Um, and then once you've got your five net 30 and you're going to let them go through one full cycle, then you're going to apply to the business credit cards and you want to have one or two of those. Uh, and, and people are like, well, are they going to offer me a very, a low limit just because of the fact that I have this brand new, um, done score. Well, no. I mean, the first one I did, I did five net 30 accounts and the first credit card I actually got in the name of my business had, I think it was a $10,000 limit. Nice. The next one I got the next month had a $38,000 limit. Nice. So it's not that they're going to say, well, you get a $500 one, like when we were 18 and trying to establish personal credit. Um, done scores, the biggest thing you don't want is just it to be blank. And the oh. goal is to have it be 80 or higher. So, cause this, that, that ranges from zero to a hundred and you want it to be 80 or higher. That's is that the where the Paydex score yeah. needs to be 80 or higher. Exactly. You're yeah. So you want to get it over 80. That's ideal. But the worst thing it can be is blank. Once you get established normally within a month or so, it's going to be in the forties to fifties range. And then once you have those five net 30 accounts, it normally will jump up into the seventies and eighties. Is it, is it so, difficult to find vendors that will um, submit? I have that? an entire list. You have an entire I've list. I've collected an entire list and, <laughs> and everything from office supplies to vehicles to um, lead vendors to mail houses to um, oh, office equipment, yeah. all of that stuff. So I'm not going to tell you, yes, there are going to be ones like flooring companies and um, unless you're in real estate, we do have a laundry list of real estate ones, but even big box um, home supply stores are going to be available. They actually have them. Um, even some shopping clubs, retail clubs, they have commercial accounts. And uh, we give you the list and we tell you exactly what to ask them for, because most of them, like some of these uh, big shopping clubs mm -hmm. that you, you can access, they have a personal one. They've got a business with a personal guarantee, and then they have completely business separate corporate account. You have to ask for the right account. Gotcha. Most of them won't volunteer. And you have to understand you're dealing with someone who is, you're talking to a W-2 employee. And for all you know, they've worked there three days. They know zero about business or corporate finance. So you have to be the educated party. They are not going to volunteer it for you. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I do have, it just popped in my head. I've seen, my wife's a huge Amazon shopper and mm -hmm. I've seen it ad, like I, I would get an email every now and then saying, Hey, based on your spending, you qualify for a business account. Like is Amazon mm -hmm. one of them where you can go and get a specific they business are. account and then. Yes. And they are one that does the their social security number or not. So you have to fill it out correctly. 
but yeah, that's actually one I have. Um, I mean, and just to give you some examples, I mean, we have Staples, Quill, Home Depot, Amazon, Floor and Decor. Um, I mean, I do some commercial and some, uh, uh, like I have offices to outfit. So I yeah. have an account through Floor and Decor and places like that. Yeah. Um, there's basically a corporate account for everything. Wow. And it's it's really nice because you essentially when you're building it on the business side none of that appears on your personal credit but when they pull my personal credit it shows me and like my few credit cards and such but it doesn't show any of the businesses it doesn't show any of the um, real estate i own it doesn't have my um, commercial accounts I use for the real estate. It doesn't have my vendor accounts I use for the insurance. No, none of that even shows up. The whole different so in world. essence, it's completely separate. They know nothing of it. That's cool. And why that's such a big deal is, you know, we're all going out here and we're entrepreneurs. Well, one of the hardest things to do is to show that stable income and qualify for our home and our car loans and such. And what you don't want to do is tie up your entire debt to income ratio with you maxed out three credit cards to start your business. And now your personal car breaks down and you need a new one and you're not eligible for a car loan because your debt to income ratio is too high. Yeah. You don't want to put yourself in an unnecessary emergency because we didn't plan correctly. Yeah. That's, that is such a great point. So one of the cool things that we have going on is that I recently just interviewed Josh Lustig about the next Thrive event that we're going to be doing up in Denver, Colorado. I seem to think I know somebody who lives in that area. Just joking. <laughs> so, Jolyn, you're going to be out there. You're going to actually be one of the guest speakers at the next Thrive event, and you're going to be teaching on this exact subject, going more in depth about everything we've discussed here. And I think for anyone who's listening the value you're going to bring alone is worth the price of admission. It's worth being in that room because more than not, I would say if you had to put a percentage to it, what do you think? What percentage of insurance, active insurance agents aren't doing this, aren't set up correctly? Well, the statistic of all business owners is one in 10. Wow. And I, it actually shocks me. And I guess the way I ended up getting exposed to all of this is I had a banker friend that when I first went into my business, I followed his instructions and went out and created the entity and I applied for a business loan. They approved me for a $50,000 business loan. Yeah. And I was like, and it was actually kind of one of those um, security blanket situations where I mean, my husband had passed, I had a child, I was going out on this as a single mom, I, I had sort of put these little stops in front of me and said, well, if I get approved for this loan, I'll go ahead and do this. And so I got the loan and I'm obviously here in business to this day, but I sent him probably 20 referrals after I was approved for my business loan and they were all rejected no. and they kept coming back to me and they were like, we went to the same place you went and we got declined. And so I actually called him out on it and went back to him and said, well, I'm not sending you referrals anymore. If you keep rejecting them all, <laughs> why do you approve me? Why do you approve a young single mom? I mean, you're denying my friends that are much more stable in life. And uh, he came back and he said, they don't have credit score. There's, there's no business profile. They didn't lay out their business plan. Like you did. They, they don't have their, their steps in place. 
And we're looking for people to actually put in that effort because if they're willing to put in that effort, they're more likely to be successful in business. That's great. And so, but not explaining to them why they were getting declined. Mm. So when I asked him, you know, what percentage of these do you approve? Small business loans, considering you're a bank that advertises small business loans, what percentage do you approve? And he said, uh, industry average is 3%. And I'm like, so you guys say no 97% of the time? That's a horrible job. Yeah. Um, but I found out from him what it takes to get a yes. And so I went ahead and started just modeling everything he had on that list. I'm like, well, I can go down this checklist and duplicate this and make sure that every business I create is capable of getting that yes. Yeah. That's and um, so what we do at this class is we basically give you the instructions, the steps, we give you the questions to ask exactly how to word it. The companies we already know have access to these accounts the name of the account, if it has a specific name that's different from a personal account. And then we give them the, um, literally, here's what you're going to set up first, get this done, do our next step. Now you're going to get five of this type of account. Now you're going to go to this step. Now you're going to get to pick off this list and apply. Yeah. And it's all broken down for them. We've gathered together everything from, like I said, office supplies to gas cards. Awesome. Um, are all available. I so. love that. I love that. I think, again, this is something that um, is is missing in our industry. Somebody who can give this amazing roadmap to get them structurally, foundationally set up correctly for the longevity of this business, because we're all hoping that, right? We're all wanting to be in this for the long run. So it's best to get started right off the bat. I, you know, unfortunately, I, I actually went three years before I started setting up any of my stuff because I just had bad advice. You only, you don't know what you don't know. So I wish I had you back then. I would have gotten started a lot earlier. I had a good friend in insurance that we started at the exact same time and our agencies are almost identical. Yeah. We have within five agents of each other, our production's almost identical. We have the same business, just in a different state. And we were talking at an event, actually, an event I'm going to next week. We had a reunion and we're talking there. And she was asking me how I was buying my buildings. And she's like, I've been declined so many times. And that led to a conversation. And I said, you know what? We actually need to, let, let's put your agency out on paper and let's tear it apart. And let me look at it. And within five minutes, I was like, oh my gosh, you're a giant mess. This isn't set up. Nothing's correct. And I went through all of this and we started talking and I said, you know what? We started at the same time. We've got the same revenues. Where are we at? Equity wise, we're not slightly apart. We're millions of dollars apart. Yeah. And she was upset, really upset and didn't speak to me. And we actually left that conference mad at each other. And I got home and of course I'm complaining to my husband and I'm like, you know what? She never asked me. And when I volunteered the information, she basically kind of gave me the, you know what? It's rude to talk about money yeah. conversation. Yeah. And here's the things, guys, money makes the world go round and it makes your business stable or unstable. And it's not rude to talk about money. It's essential to talk about money. Yeah. And it's essential to get good advice on how to set up the business and make it function properly because we're equally myself and her were equally successful in Medicare, but we wound up in less than 10 years times, several million dollars apart in our equity stake in our business. 
she brought in the same dollars I brought in. She just allocated them differently and didn't have the structure in place. Yeah. So we ended up making amends and I'll see her next week and we're, we're all good again. But she actually had kind of said, you know, you didn't give me this information. Like why, why wouldn't you put it out there? And I think the thing is, is, you know, (sighs) that advice is it's personal. It's kind of, it's a very personal thing. And we're, we're broaching a topic that a lot of us don't talk about. Guys are on Facebook all the time about, oh, I sold this many MAPDs and I did this and I did that. And I've even seen a few be like, Hey, my, my personal credit score is awesome. Well, your, you know, personal credit score doesn't, you don't hang your business on your personal credit score. Right. And those sales are great. Making money is great. Keeping money and using it correctly is more important. Yeah. Cause it's not what you make. It's what you keep and what that turns into. And the ultimate goal, I think we're all stretching for, this is what we're reaching to achieve is to have our money, make money without us having to work for it. Yes. And Make setting the business you. up. Exactly. Set that business up correctly so that you're bringing in money on the agency without having to go out and sell another policy. Yes. Perfect. Well, we covered a lot of great information today. And I think that anybody who's listening is going to want to inquire about either your classes or going to Thrive. Because again, at Thrive, you're going to go and deep dive into some of this great information that's going to be extremely impactful for any agent who's in the room. Uh, I really hope to see you guys there. Uh, Denver is going to be probably a beautiful venue for that time of year. It's going to be in the middle of summer for me. So out here, while it's 110, what's the weather normally like in in the June time uh, out there in Denver? Oh, it's going to be beautiful. It's not hot, not humid. You will not have humidity here. And it's that perfect time of year to get out and actually explore Colorado, especially all the summer sports that are here. But um, the main thing is we've got three amazing speakers. I'm super excited. I think we complement each other so well. And Josh covers, you know, all of that mindset and hiring and so many things that he goes over you're the king of automation and how to make a business work for you instead of it run you. And, um, and then I'll teach you how to structure it. So it's an actual asset and not a liability. And um, I think the three of us are just like such a a great team. It's going to be a fun event, and I'm super excited for it. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. So thank you again for taking time out to talk to me today. I think anyone who's watching this is going to get a lot just out of this interview and it's going to get them thinking. It's going to want to make them reassess where they're at and hopefully make some changes for the better. But outside of that, I'm excited to see you next week because I'll be out there as well at the event. So I'll see you next week. And then obviously we'll be at Thrive. If you guys want to know how to get access to tickets to Thrive, go to joshlustig.com forward slash Thrive. And that's where you can uh, get reserve your tickets. So uh, if you guys don't mind, uh, or Jolene, how about you? If you have any parting words before we wrap up, let us know and uh, and we can uh, sign off that way. Sure. I'm super excited to see you all. I hope you can make it to Thrive in Denver. Um, If you need more information on any of my classes, reach out to me. um, And you can either call Facebook or message me. Um, The May class is already full. June is almost full. And we're super excited to actually have some extra time with all of you at Thrive to 
explain in detail and send you home with the workbook and on the right path for your business. I love it. I love it. All right, guys, everyone else, we are glad you stayed and we will see you on the next video. Take care. Hey, thanks for watching the podcast. If you like the content, please hit the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel. That way you can get notified when more new content comes out. We'll see you on the next one.